Welcome to the People Over Perks podcast by Leapsum. I'm Andy Parker and I'm your host. In each episode, we have a different HR or people operations leader come on the show and tell us the behind the scenes secrets as to how they are building a high performance culture in their organization. In this first episode, we have Till Neatby, the co-founder and head of culture from Marley Spoon. Till shares the details on how they've scaled to over 1,500 employees, how the head of culture role came about, and how they use employee engagement surveys and a whole lot more. Enjoy this conversation. Excellent. So, uh, so Till, thank you for joining us on the, the People Over Perks podcast. Hi, Andy. Nice. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you. And, uh, and so to, to begin with, tell me, uh, where, whereabouts are you right now and where, where in the world? I'm sitting in um, my Berlin flat, in the study of my Berlin flats. I'm working from, from the home office right now. Um, we have our offices in Berlin um, and, and most other cities open at the moment. Usually I spend two days per week at, at the office and, and the rest of the time I work from the home office. So currently at home. Okay, excellent. And so you are the co-founder and head of culture at Molly Spoon. Um, before we jump into uh, to, to some of the topics that obviously we're going to discuss around, uh, around people operations and culture and HR, um, to begin with, can you tell us what Molly Spoon is? So we always say we bring delightful, market-fresh and easy cooking back to the people while building a sustainable supply chain for a waste-free world. So a lot of things that, we, that we're trying to achieve. Uh, so on the one hand side, um, we help our customers to cook better at home. Uh, we deliver all the ingredients that you need. We inspire with new recipes on a weekly basis. Uh, we really take care of, of, uh, of all that, that whole topic, take the hassle out of the cooking, um, send it home. And at the same time, we are um, fighting food, lo- food waste we are um, trying to shorten the supply chain or we are shortening the supply chain by directing, directly connecting customers to, to producers. And um, um, uh, that's what we do in a nutshell. Okay, thank you for that. And, um, and just so that everyone listening can, uh, can understand, um, can you tell me a bit about the scale of Marley Spoon? Um, I know it's an international business and, uh, and you recently also had a, uh, a big milestone in, in Q2 that I saw was publicly announced around the company being uh, profitable for the first time. Yes, indeed. So, yes, we're operating in eight countries globally. Um, we have roughly 1,500 team members. We grew um, within the first half of this year. We grew roughly 90% to about 160 million euros in revenue for the first half of this year. Um, Q2, um, even 73 million in revenue. So uh, on, a, on, a, on a nice um, upward trend there right now. This all equivalents to 21 million meals, I believe, that were shipped in the first half of this year. Wow. Okay. So uh, quite, a, quite a few number of boxes. Yes, I can imagine. Absolutely. Excellent. And, um, and so let's, let's talk a little bit about your role specifically then. Um, as the, the co-founder and head of culture, um, obviously the, the co-founders of any business um, are implicitly typically set the culture or at least are you know, a large contributor to what the culture um, becomes. Um, but what made you decide to explicitly give yourself a, a head of culture title? I agree that the founders do play a certain role in, in creating a company culture. Um, at the same time, though, culture is built you know, on a daily basis by the whole team. Um, so uh, really, that's something that we try to emphasize always. And when, when onboarding new people, that it's really all of us building the, building the culture on a daily basis. Okay. I 
had a bunch of different roles at Marley Spoon, as you can imagine when you when you start a company. Um, so one and a half years ago, um, uh, my fellow co-founder Fabian and me decided to for, for me to focus on on our uh, culture and people team, and that's when I took on that role. And we explicitly wanted to have the the word culture and there to emphasize this, the importance that that we believe company culture at the end has on on building building a building a good team and and uh, company success in the end. Okay, and, uh, and and was this something that, um, that you know an area of expertise of yours, or something that you um, between you and your co-founders felt that it was something that a co-founder should uh, should oversee? Um, rather the latter, to be honest. We always um, you know, over the last couple of years um, brought in a lot of experts from from outside that at the end know a lot of things much better than we as, as the founders do and that's a little bit the same case here in, in, in our culture and people operations team we have a large number of, of highly highly skilled amazing people in in, in, in my team that know um, the classical traditional HR area much better than me. No, I don't. I didn't have a particular background, but I've been building companies over the last 20 years. I've worked in, in numerous um, management functions. So I have a good idea of what, what I believe is important. But again, there is a lot, a lot of experts in, in, in the team that know most details much better than me. Okay, so, so let's, uh, let, let's dive into that then. Um, obviously, uh, as, you, as you touched on with, uh, with 1500 team members um, across the company, um, you know, you obviously need a, a strong uh, people operations team to support that. Um, what does the structure of that team look like? So we have a bit of a, um, we have a matrix organization overall at, at Mali Spoon. So we have on the one hand side, we have regional teams. Um, we have an Australian team, a, a US team and a European team. And we have local CEOs for all of these regions. And we have local head of culture and people operations team that report on the one hand side directly into that C local CEO role. On the other hand, uh, we're currently in the process of, um, uh, of creating uh, the position of a um, CHRO um, that's also part of the executive team. And uh, so that um, eventually you will have this um, metrics um, uh, organization set up where you have two direct lines um, one to the to the regional CEO and one to the CHRO um, um, in, a, in a central function. I see. Okay. And then, uh, and then, of course, you know, on a on a more on a more functional level, uh, the, on the one side, uh, you have your your operational service um, centers, where uh, which traditionally, um, of course, um, we had to focus on most in the past. We always had a, a rather lean setup. But at the same time, we are running, um, uh, we're operating seven fulfillment centers globally, and um, a huge part of our um, team uh, are the production associates, our team members at the fulfillment centers actually picking and packing our boxes. So it was always very, very important, of course, to um, um, uh, do um, focus on on, on uh, really um, operating um, these these fulfillment centers and, and onboarding team members for for these sites. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, of course, uh, we have our HR business partners, we have our uh, center of excellence, our community of expertise, um, where we try to focus on individual areas. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you. And, um, and so you, you touched on the fact that uh, you're looking for a CHRO. Um, why, why is now the right time for that role? 
Well, we've luckily already identified a very, very good candidate. And um, well, we believe that, you know, we have reached a certain level of, of maturity as a company. At the end of the day, you know, this topic was always a very, very important one for, for us at Mali Spoon, uh, really from, from day one, a focus topic for, for Fabian and me. But um, um, over, you know, we have grown now to, to a certain size where we really feel that uh, certain processes are um, getting more and more complex. It is not the same to uh, run a team of five people or 50 people or 1500 people, and we're uh, growing strongly. We still believe we're at, a, at the very beginning of a long journey. Uh, so we decided to take the step now. We could have as well have taken that a year ago already or a year into the future, but um, I think it's, it's definitely um, a good signal also uh, internally that we are even uh, doubling down with, on, on our efforts with mm -hmm. regards to culture and, and our team and people, our team members. Okay. And, uh, and did you have any, uh, any like specific uh, requirements for that, that role um, that you're willing to share? Like what are the, what is the sort of the makeup of, uh, of that person? We were looking for someone with, um, on the one hand side, with a very um, uh, large experience in, in this area. So we really wanted someone um, that, that had the experience of, of running um, such a function in a, in, a, in a large organization, in an organization larger than ours. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we, we are a very agile company. We still consider ourselves to be a startup um, in, in a lot of ways. So you have to be able to um, work very hands-on, um, very autonomously, um, not necessarily with a huge support staff that you might have in, uh, in, in, in larger companies. So that was very important for us that, that the person joining us brings, brings all of this. Okay, excellent. Thank you. And, um, and so, so coming back to the, uh, the, the processes that you say that, um, you know, obviously, um, need to be in place uh, to to create a high performing culture. Can you talk me through a little bit about what the the, ca the calendar looks like as such for you? Um, what are some of the um, the people operations processes that your team is in control of, um, and and how does that operate throughout the year? So we have um, a number of processes that we organize as a culture and people operations team but where the ownership then at the end sits within within the the teams or with every single team lead so you now we have for example um everyone at Mali spoon is doing a month at least a monthly one-on-one -on, -one on a really on a, on a culture level on a team building level so it's not a, not it's not the weekly the weekly joe fix where you talk about operational stuff about um oh, have you done this are you what's what's the plan for the next week but it's really this how are you doing what can I do to help you? And you know, how happy are you with your, with your development at, at Mali Spoon, et cetera. So it's really this very, very open communication where we really um, expect every team lead to do that at least on a monthly basis with team members. We have formalized processes such as 360 degree reviews um, between um, obviously and, uh, team members, leads, um, people on the same level above, below. Um, and how frequently do they happen? So we do them always after three months for new joiners. We do them always for role changes. Mm -hmm. And we encourage leads to do them on a regular basis um, very often, most of them do them on a yearly basis to mm -hmm. get feedback. And they are 
Um, they are anonymous, so people can do them completely anonymous over the tool. I personally always uh, write my name under underneath when I give when I give feedback. I well, we we tell people that you, yeah, it doesn't have to be anonymous, but um, for some people it feels more secure and there's there's more open communication. Um, and then there is a bunch of um, you know uh, smaller cultural topics, donut dates, or something that we've especially now in in, uh, in this COVID nineteen uh, situation. We had that before, but uh, we encourage that uh, now even more so that you know randomly people meet up uh, when you don't have this um, meeting at the at the coffee machine any, anymore at the water cooler. That um, uh, now at least you have this random um, uh, twenty minutes, half an hour with someone in the company where you really chat about about you um, and, and, and not about, uh, yeah, uh, they're, they're, what do I need to get done this week? Um, and then there is a bunch of other like regular meetings where um, we are supporting, we have a weekly TJF or All Hands on Deck meeting that, that we always have on Friday where really all team members participate, where we always um, communicate big updates to the company. Mm -hmm. So again, it's not, um, uh, this is not a cultural people operations meeting, but we're the ones facilitating it. Um, weekly team meetings, monthly MBRs, so business reviews, quarterly business reviews. Um, Quarterly OKR sessions is something that that we facilitate also with with our with the tools that we have um, okay. using using Leapsum in this case where we uh, really everyone on a quarterly basis aligns goals um, top down bottom up at the same time mm -hmm. um, so this is some of the processes that we do um, monthly lunch and learn sessions is something we, that we've recently int introduced from my team where we said hey. Um, topics at topic XYZ, um, also uh, remotely, of course, that um, people from all over the world can uh, can learn about specific topic, choose, uh, vote, upvote topics that they want to learn more about. So this is like some of the the topics that we do on a on a, on a regular basis. Excellent. And um, so, so just to jump back to the um, the, the random coffee meetings, um, did I catch it correctly that you're using the the Slack Donut app to to match people? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. And it's, it's really quite, it, I find it quite amazing. I mean, especially like before the, the you know, this, this um, uh, Corona crisis, um, we, we had them localized. So I would meet up with other people from the Berlin office and we would actually go outside, go for a walk, um, grab a coffee, uh, walk along the canal, um, Paulinka Ufer, beautiful, really nice. I always was much looking forward to this like half hour of, you know, to yeah, get nice. some fresh air and, and exchange, exchange a few idea, ideas. But what's also nice now that, that, you know, that we can't really do this in person anymore or not as much anymore, that we've um, extended that where it works time zone wise. So just this week, actually beginning this week, I had a, I had a donut date with someone from our fulfillment center in, in Texas, where um, a lady that started with us two and a half years ago as a as production associate, really on the line, picking and packing boxes and, and, and worked her way up to, to become a, a team lead there. And it was super refreshing, you know, to, to talk to someone there, to, to hear um, how they are experiencing the, the whole situation at the very moment and to really um, get, um, uh, get a completely different um, view of, of of the topics that we're facing at the very moment. So that was that, that I quite enjoyed. 
Yeah, really cool. And I, I imagine that's uh, that, that's great learning uh, for you and obviously uh, nice as well for, um, you know, the, the employees that uh, randomly get matched with you. And, uh, she, was, she was a bit surprised, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excellent. And um, I wanted to come back to the topic of OKRs. Um, could you tell me a little bit about Marley Spoon's uh, OKR setting process? And you mentioned how you facilitate these quarterly meetings. Um, but what does that process look like in terms of communicating the goals? Um, you know, whether that comes from top down or um, whether it comes from bottom up, bottom up, or how how do you work that with across the business? Yeah, so it's really both. So on the one hand side, um, always in you know the months uh, beginning of the months before a quarter ends, um, we we sit together on uh, an executive team and and think about okay, what did we achieve in the last quarter? And what are really the big topics for for the next quarter? So, so we we do also have strategic offsites where uh, twice per year uh, we we get together and think more about the midterm, long term vision. Uh, but these ones are really the, the the quarterly based on the midterm long term vision. Uh, what is what is there? Uh, what what should be the priority topic for for the next quarter? And we kind of high level define them at this very moment already, and already start communicating them um, into the company, so that then every single team member can think about okay, in my area. What could I potentially do that links towards the big company goals? And obviously not every single OKR links to the big overarching company goal, but the vast majority do. And then it's really, you know, team by team, um, quite, quite time intensive process. But I believe that this, you know, um, alignment process, this um, thinking about, A, what did we achieve in the last quarter? Why did we potentially change priorities during the quarter? And then... Um, sitting with the team to define this is really what we as a team want to commit to for the next quarter. I think that's always a very, very good exercise. I usually try to combine in my teams, I try to combine that also with, with an offsite, be it, be it a real offsite or uh, some, some digital version of it, yeah. but to really um, take a full day to, to, to go through this and, and, and really rather have the team then come up with their, with a goal. So where, where we say, Hey, this is what we want to achieve in the next quarter. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then we, we'll, at the very beginning of a quarter, we all always do like a, a mise en place meeting, as we call it, where uh, we communicate the high level goals for, for all for the company and for all regions, um, towards the team's. Um, plus a few midterm projects that, that we have, uh, like a sustainability project, for example. And we always give updates and say, hey, for the next quarter, this is going to be our focus topic here. I see. Okay, that makes sense. And, and then the and Q&A how- session as well. It's part of our Friday uh, uh, All Hands on Deck meeting. Or it, it, it's a dedicated one to that one and a half hours, really, where we only talk about next quarter's goals and last quarter's achievements or fails. And um, where it's a big Q&A session where, where people can ask a lot of questions. Okay. Yeah, that, that's great. Then obviously everybody uh, gets the, uh, the visibility as to what's actually going on across all the, the various parts of the business. Absolutely. Excellent. And, and I mean, the goals are visible, of course, as well. I mean, everyone can go into the tool. Everyone can look at at any time. Uh, what's, what's, what's your particular goal? What's your company or what's in this team what are what are they uh, working on with with biggest priority uh? so that's of course also nice that that uh, you have this constant visibility in the tool mm-hmm. yeah excellent great and um and obviously uh, as as you continue to grow you know this 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 alignment um you know is, is going to 
um, obviously become you know, so important as the company continues to scale. Um, and what are some of the other challenges that you have faced as the company has grown um, in, terms of, in terms of headcount, obviously, um, that you've really had to overcome? So we had a few, you know, tough situations when it came to restructuring. You know, we uh, in the course of, of six years, obviously, there is events or there is moments when when certain teams are are being restructured. We had um, fulfillment sites uh, or fulfillment centers where we had to close down certain sites uh, because it was more um, uh, if they or they they became too small and we had to find a new place. And sometimes a new place for of a fulfillment center was not in the same region. Uh, and this is of course from a people operations perspective, but also for me as a founder, always a tough decision to, you know, to, to, to go towards team members and say, listen, this particular um, position will unfortunately not exist anymore. And then of course you, you try to offer. Uh, we also had the situation when we built a, a short service, service center in Lisbon, where we had an, a number of really fantastic team members where we said each and everyone is more than welcome to, to join us on, 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 on this um, and come with us to Lisbon. But obviously not everyone was able to for, for uh, personal reasons. So and these are, of course, uh, challenges where um, um, that that are moments that are that are tough, that are not fun. Um, and I always found, you know, the most important part in this was a very, very open, transparent communication from as early on as possible um, and show people that you genuinely care and that you try to find a solution for them. But mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, you have to accept that you uh, will not be able to find a solution for everyone. So. That was like, you know, we had a few of these events. Um, yeah. And then obviously, you know, you, you kind of need to reinvent culture um, on, a, on a continuous basis when you grow this quickly. Uh, and uh, as I said earlier, uh, five people, 50 people, 500, 1500. Um, culture is changing all the time. And it's that, that's, that is a big challenge. Um, it, can be a lot of fun as well, um, but you you know you really have to think hard. How how can you how how can this culture continue to grow? And it really has a lot to do with how you recruit. Um, our whole team is involved in in, in every single recruitment process. Uh, how you onboard people, um, and in the end, how you give autonomy to people to to build that culture and help build us build this culture on a daily basis. Interesting. And when when you speak about reinventing culture. Are there any um, like kind of formal processes that you've been through along the way on the journey? Um, I don't know, perhaps have you sort of like redefined your values at some point or is there anything that you have had to kind of completely overhaul or redocument when it comes to the culture? Or would you say it's more iterative based on, you know, uh, kind of small tweaks here and there to, uh, to, to improve the culture in certain directions? I would say it's definitely more iterative. So we have... Um, we have changed our values and we are, uh, we always um, tell new team members when we onboard them, hey, these are our values. We try to work according to them and every single day. We also fail on them every single day and it's fine as long as we keep reminding each other and trying to hold each other accountable to them. Mm. We always tell them if there is something that you don't like, approach us let's change them. You know, nothing is set in stone. So we have changed them in the past a bit, not, not massively, to be honest. Um, we had them really since day one and uh, we've changed the wording here a little bit and 
um, we've added a few things that, that we thought were missing or that team members thought were missing. Mm-hmm. That was cert- certainly more of an um, iterative process. We are constantly, you know, as, as part of every uh, major, uh, every uh, strategy offsite that we have, and we're always uh, talking about these topics. Um, I mean, especially well, um, and after over dinner, after over uh, or at dinner, over after dinner, over a couple couple of bottles of wine or so. Um, but it's a, it's it, it is a constant topic for us. But we did not really have this massive overhaul, no. Okay, and so um, uh, you, you mentioned then obviously it comes down to onboarding and uh, and training and things like that. Are there any like big standout changes that you made along the way that you think were particularly big levers? Um, for for changing or improving the culture, I believe one of the biggest changes that we made was um, the recruitment process. Um, I mentioned that earlier on that now we really involve the team. Um, in the first two years of Mali Spoon, we hired very um, quickly, um, very um, traditionally, maybe that the team lead um, just said, "Hey." that person sounds interesting um, and the person started the next day and that worked in some cases and and others obviously did not I mean which I guess is normal but at some point we said no we, we would like to um, have this hiring process a bit more objective and include more team members I believe as soon as you include more team members it does become automatically more objective uh, because unfortunately we all have our biases and uh, we like someone dislike someone usually within the first 30 seconds that we speak to someone mm-hmm. so it is very difficult to um, um over um what's the right word to to ignore or to, to be aware of these um biases that you have and 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 then ignore them um so um that that process we changed Probably after two years or so, so uh, this new process we already now have it since since four years or so. Uh, but the 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 responsibility at for hiring remains with team leads. It's not uh, in the uh, culture and people operations department that that's responsible for hiring. That was always something that was very important for us. So the team lead itself is really responsible to build his team, to build the best team. Mm-hmm. That's really his main number one priority. And he's doing skill interviews and thinking about, okay, do we need do we need to do some kind of challenge with that candidate or or? But then once um, that that box is ticked, we have a, a round of cultural interviews where really at least three team members from any team potentially mm-hmm. um, come in and and ask a, a bunch of questions based on our on our company values uh, and it's really. We don't tell we don't tell the team members which questions to ask. We give them an idea. We say, okay. I mean, the team lead basically decides. You go for topic one to three or area one to three. You go for area four to six, and the last one seven to nine. And then there is a bunch in, in all of these areas. Um, there is a bunch of potential questions that you could ask. But at the end, you're completely free to ask whatever you want to. But we do recommend if you do multi- multiple um, uh, cultural interviews that you always ask the same kind of question. So yeah. that you are also less biased and that you can also objectivize the answers a little bit um, and then try to really dig, dig deep um, uh, using, using like a star uh, methodology where you, you know, try to get to the situation task um, 
action result. Yeah. And um, this process um, then, you know, if um, then goes, goes on to a hiring committee where everyone gets together. Only if everyone agrees, um, we then move on to final interview, to CEO interview, um, and then to extend an offer. Uh, so this is the hiring process is probably, or it's at least one of the, the things that, that changed massively since, since we started. And I really believe for the better, because I really believe that um, uh, people that now join usually are a very good culture fit. And it's at the end for both sides, um, of course, uh, Uh, always very painful if you have to decide if, if you realize if one of one of the two sides realizes after a few months that it's not a fit um, so I think we've uh, I know that we've been able to to really um, improve on on that yeah absolutely that, that's so uh, that's really interesting and then um with the the cultural questions are, are those questions um, defined by by the people and culture team <sighs> Oh, we have them since a long time. Yes, I believe so. <laughs> yeah. and, and are the interviewers then, um, are they then like, uh, uh, um, what I'm looking for, are they, they're, they're then basically evaluating the candidates against a, a set rubric or, um, you know, are there certain things that they are looking for in a candidate's answer that they're then evaluating against the, the question? No, it's really, you know, we have our values and, um, and then you, you, let's take an example. We, like one of our values is to be data driven. Uh, so that could be an area for, for question. Um, and, and so uh, if, if you would be doing the cultural interviews with candidate X, Y, Z, we would say, okay, this is one area for you. And the other one is um, uh, um, to be, I don't know, to, to, to build the best team. And the third one would be um, to, you know, um, work autonomously and, and, and entrepreneurial, et cetera. Um, and then within each of these areas, we would give you, again, a number of questions that you could potentially ask, but you don't have to. If you have um, uh, great questions, really just to, to help people, to give them um, a bit of guidance um, how to conduct these cultural interviews. Uh, we do train on these cultural interviews as well yeah. um, that, uh, because we really try to involve every single team member here. Okay, okay, excellent. And, uh, and so as, as you continue to grow, uh, what are some of the challenges that you are already foreseeing that you might need to overcome? I mean, currently we're, we're facing the same situation as, as everyone else. And uh, it's not necessarily that much growth related, but this whole remote work or hybrid work is, of course, a, a very big topic for us that, that, um, that we expect to continue at least for the next year. But probably this hybrid remote hybrid work setup will, will remain. Uh, we are planning to um, offer that indefinitely to our team members. So we've seen in service, internal service, that a lot of team members very much enjoy the flexibility to also work from home. Um, but the flexibility to work from home also has a downside that actually the majority of, of our team members work much more than before and you know a lot of them don't take proper breaks um, mm -hmm. because it's of course it's easy you know in the morning to just grab your laptop sit down start typing away and then all of a sudden you realize it's eight in the evening and you haven't done a haven't taken a proper break and you work 10 hours straight or so and that's of course not healthy and not sustainable so that's a big topic um, and we do also see that in internal service that, that people say they are 
um, yeah, they, they feel stressed that work-life balance is a, is a topic. So that's a big one for us where we, uh, that we're uh, trying to, to, to work on, that we're working on, um, trying to lead by example, um, give people tools. Um, um, and also in that context, of course, um, onboarding new team members, uh, you know, creating this glue, creating the culture. Um, uh, we have a very good solid culture built over the last couple of years. Um, and that that helps us, of course. But uh, whenever you bring on new team members, they you know they don't, and that might potentially work fully remotely or almost fully remotely. Um, that's that's a different situation. So that I believe will remain a challenge for for the upcoming upcoming years. And then, as you said, I mean we are growing strongly, um, and um, uh, that. Um, has um, a lot of challenges on its own. Um, a lot, a lot of processes where we are still working very agile at this point um, will need to be more formalized, and that you know always comes at a cost as, as well. Yeah. Uh, do you have any any examples of that that's uh, already come to mind? I mean, compensation is is, is one of these. Uh, it, um, uh, it comes, you know, compensation fairness is a, is a very important part in you know perception. How you know, do you do? You, what what um, uh, how happy are you with work? And this is a topic that always comes up. And it's much easier in a smaller team where um, people know each other, um, and we're not transparent as, as as some companies are. We don't have full transparency on um, on, on on salary. Um, but people, you know, tend to have a good idea about um, they they speak to each other, etc. And um, and that's okay. And I believe while it's while it's a small team, they understand much better contributions. Um, but it's also not just the the, the cash component of uh, of remuneration. And some people, um, we also have an equity component in in, in in our remuneration scheme. And also, some people choose to. Um, um, to to go for a position where um, they might have see exceptional growth, uh, learning and development for themselves, and and don't necessarily go for the you know the highest cash option, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So the larger the team gets, the more difficult, of course, it is to to know this about the next person and the other person. Then you start wondering, and you're like. Hmm, am I am I really fairly being fairly compensated? So there is, of course, you know, this is one of the topics where we're discussing um, uh, what um, what what will we do as a next step? External benchmarking data, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Diversity inclusion in this context is is of course also a big one. Uh, is there uh, and we uh, we are we have a super diverse culture when it comes to nationalities. Um, believe we have over 50 different nationalities working in the Berlin team alone and and, and we love that and we always um, in our internal service uh, score very highly on, on any diversity and inclusion question. Um, at the same time though we haven't in the past formally um, looked at this in a way as to um, uh, female leadership participation. We've changed that about a year ago and um, uh, uh, going forward, I think we'll have the majority of exec team members will be will be women at Marley Spoon. Um, our board members are uh, to majority women at, as of as of today. But there's a lot of other areas where we haven't really looked into in the past. If you look at the Black Lives Matters discussion in the United States, we have a huge U.S. team, and and um, um, ethnicity wasn't a, a, a topic for us in the past. We did not or not one that we actively discussed. 
and um, and probably we need to. Uh, and so uh, this is all again uh, based the, the larger you get, um, uh, you need to um, think more and more about these these kind of processes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All uh, all extremely important topics. Obviously, uh, as you say, to to tackle as uh, as you keep scaling. And I'd love to jump back quickly to um to the internal surveys that you uh, that you mentioned. Um, how frequently are you running them? What kinds of things are you asking? Um, and how do you how do you use that data? So we have twice per year we run a global survey where um which is fairly extensive. Um, 50 plus questions or so we're um, really uh, touching um, touching pretty much all areas and that that one we, we uh, run truly globally to, to be able to benchmark uh, all the regions and teams against each other um, and then pretty much uh, you know after that it's 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 very um, very different there is you know pulse surveys on a on a team level um, happening on a uh, weekly basis or like during um, uh, the height of, of Corona we sent out surveys on a, on a weekly basis to, to understand, mm -hmm. hey, how are you coping with the situation? How are you doing? Um, there is monthly regional topics where, you know, in, in Europe, we might have a different topic than uh, that's, that's pressing at the moment than, than in the US or in Australia, etc. Uh, so it's really starting from these two huge biennial ones um, into uh, small local pulse surveys on, on a very frequent basis. And that, of course, also then defines what we do with the data. So there are these big um, biennial surveys. We try to sync them in a way that we always have that data available for our strategy offsite meetings. Mm -hmm. So we can use fresh data to really see, hey, what are the pain points? What are the celebration points? But also, what are what are pain points? Um, how did they develop over time? Um, and and define action items based based on these. Uh, and other than that, we really try to to be very democratic with the with the data that we have of, of these survey results, so they are available um, readily, um, so that. <clears throat> The individual team leads can compare themselves also to to other teams and and say uh, what you know what does this result actually tell me uh, am i doing good with with this result or um, am i here better or worse than than the average at Mali spoon who are good people that i could go turn to 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 learn from them to understand why um, I don't know if my team is doing particularly well, uh, work bad and, and, and work-life balance. Mm -hmm. I might look for someone um, that has a good score and, and discuss with, with that person, hey, how do you manage? Why, why are you, is your team perceiving that situation very different from, from my team? Um, yeah. I think that is probably the, the most important, um, uh, this really very granular follow-up. Uh, the, the big high-level um, company level one is also important, of course, not to miss any ma major trends, but it's really this working on a, on a very local granular level um, where I believe you can have the, the quickest wins. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, and obviously the, uh, the, the employee engagement uh, metrics are obviously something that, as you said, like you and your team can use uh, for um, taking to the strategy off sites and uh, and obviously that's something that you keep an eye on. Are there any other uh, big metrics or, or how else would you define success uh, for, for you and your role as, as head of culture? 
I mean, the NPS, as uh, you already mentioned, is of course a very, very important one. And so at the end, uh, all, all the survey data um, around um, engagement, recognition, um, growth, well-being, um, uh, the cultural topics, that's really um, well, one of the main KPIs that we look at. Um, and then of course, there is the lagging indicators like uh, turnover and tenure. That is of course something that we, uh, that we look at. Um, uh, exit poll surveys that we do with uh, team members that leave us. Why do they leave us? Where do they go? Um, uh, but this is all mm-hmm. rather the lagging indicators. Uh, the, the leading indicators is really the, uh, the service that, that we try to run very, very frequently. Okay. And of course, also very, you know, you know soft data as well, you know, just yeah. uh, coffee, uh, uh, coffee chats where like, um, you know, you get feedback from people or over a beer after, after work. Um, I, I do believe that is also very, very important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those, uh, those, those qualitative conversations that you uh, are never going to show up in, yeah, in surveys. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and, uh, and then finally, how, how do you see the role of people operations developing? Um, are there any like trends that you're particularly excited about uh, for the future? I think that what we've seen over the last few years is that um, the, this whole field becomes much more data driven. Um, and, um, you know, using analytics to, to then deliver insight and, and deliver impulse to, towards the, um, the wider uh, team. I believe that's a very exciting, exciting part of, of what's happening in, in, in our area. Um, it's, and, and yeah, and I guess, you know, that, that you can really then um, extend to, to all potential areas. Yeah? I mean, it goes to, to workforce planning, to talent acquisition and, and talent management overall, um, performance and succession planning. Um, I mentioned the diversity and inclusion topic before. Um, learning development is, of course, is a, is a huge one for us as well, where um, you have um, um, a ton of new opportunities nowadays with blended learning. Um, I think there is, yeah, a number of very, very exciting, exciting trends. Um, but at the end, it's really um, trying to uh, to, to objectivize um, what what you do and, and trying to um, build business cases around um, uh, projects that you do and, and really trying to um, not uh, fuzzily talk about um, uh, are, are people happy, but um, to, to, you know, be able to show this has actually a great impact on the bottom line. Yes. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So yeah, really, it sounds, uh, sounds like, you know, connecting the work that the people operations teams are doing to the, the whole strategic objective of the, of the business and how, how that, as you say, really, really connects to profitability. Yeah, I mean, it is like, I mean, we see it, you know, really starting at our fulfillment centers, you know, where you know, bulk of our you know, thousand out of our 1500 team members are the production associates. You know, they are the most important ones to, to ensure that our customers are happy. At sites, at, at fulfillment centers where we have uh, a, a higher turnover rate, we see it immediately in, in, in complaint rates and also in productivity. And so if, you know, we, we manage to, to keep them happy and show them career passing, et cetera, uh, we see it immediately and, and complaint rates and productivity. And so it's really very, very simple math to, to do. Um, and it's the same um, at, at all our offices. People can, can work 
everywhere on this on this planet nowadays. Now we have, you know, as I said before, um, people from all over the world working here, but they could be working, you know, tomorrow. Um, that could they could go somewhere completely else. Right? So um, well, you need to give them a reason to be working from Ali Spoon, and um, and, and that's that's you know the, us uh, working on that culture and. Um, and having an exciting challenge for them and, and working on a on an important topic. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Well, that, that was, a, uh, I think, a, a really nice note to end on. Just one final question from my side. Um, do you have a book or any other sort of resource recommendation um, that you would recommend our audience to check out? So book, I... I I do believe I have to stick to the, you know, the, the classic Lanconi five dysfunctions of a team. Um, that's, um, you know, it's a, it's a very quick read, but that's, you know, not, not just for people operation, um, mm-hmm. uh, but really for everyone in business, it, because it really explains why, you know, trust is so important and why this is really the underlying function. Um, and, and because it's so nice and, and, and simple, um, I, I like it a lot, and that's why it's like probably the one book that I would always recommend. That's a that, that's that's a good one, and uh, we will link to that in the show notes. So, so thank you for that recommendation. Um, so this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, and I hope you've uh, you've had fun as well. Yeah, thank you very much, and um, no, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of People Over Perks by Leapson. We're available on the Leapsum YouTube channel and all major podcasting platforms so you can hit subscribe to receive each episode as it's released. We also have an email newsletter and a Slack community where you'll find great resources and discussions on how to build a high-performing, humane and diverse company culture. You can find the link in the show notes or you can head to the resources section at leapsum.com. Thanks for joining us and see you next time.